Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Andy Gathman and I'm sitting here with my brother Tom Gathman on a uh, cold and blustery but sunny mid-November day. And uh, well, Tom, how was your weekend? Well, um, outside of Penn State losing their fourth consecutive game. Um, yeah, outside I was, of that. <laughs> I, I was not able to enjoy my weekend like I would have wanted. I couldn't even enjoy... Watching Michigan lose in truly embarrassing fashion to Wisconsin Saturday evening. So, you know, I'm struggling with uh, <laughs> with getting through these weekends like Normally this. Normally, <laughs> we, would, we, we would be thrilled with such an outcome, but you, that, that you couldn't even enjoy that, huh? Yeah, the, the struggle to get over these, these losses at this, at this stage. And, and, and to a certain extent, you're getting you, we, me, I don't know, we're getting a little numb to it. Maybe. I, I mean, honestly, um, I, I, that's sort of where I am. I actually f- feel like I had a great weekend um, <laughs> outside of the the loss by Penn State. Um, accomplished a lot. I've been um, – I'm a, an avid gardener, and um, this year I made a decision to put in a permanent fence around my vegetable garden to keep the, keep the no, deer out. No uh, more which, chicken wire. No, it was like – Every year, having to put put it up and and take it down, um, and this year, so I installed a really beautiful fence, and um, you know, made it, made my way around. And, and this weekend, I, I kind of closed the last little bit of it, and I felt a real sense of accomplishment there. Um, on Saturday before the game, um, my church uh, we have a, a fundraiser and an outreach where we sell firewood. Uh, to people in the community and uh, raise some money that way, and I get to sort of interact with the, the general public, which is awesome. But uh, do we, you we help did, uh, cut the firewood? I that's what I was doing. I was um, splitting wood with uh, my son Juan for a couple hours on Saturday morning, getting it ready. Um, we actually season the wood for a whole year before we sell it, so it's like a multi-year process. And so we were with splitting like, wood, with like like salt season seasoning salt. Well, that's what, <laughs> yes, that's it, right. Now, the seasoning, taste. that's when, you, that, that's the process of drying the wood out so that oh, it actually okay. burns properly as opposed to like smoking up. Yeah, your, you got to keep the, the, the rain and snow off of it for a whole year, huh? Yeah, so like, we were splitting really... wood, um, like literally like huge, like six and seven foot circumference, uh, you know, you know, tree what's that, uh, pieces. What's that device called, an auger? We're using an no, auger? No, a splitter. It was a pneumatic splitter. Yeah. Gas-powered pneumatic splitter. Oh, you and weren't so, even do- – you were using a, a gas-powered splitter. You weren't even yeah. doing the work. I was doing the work. No, no, no. <laughs> you were letting a machine do the work. Well, so let me tell you, hoisting hoisting all, all of those pieces of wood, uh, you know – You were an assembly line worker. Indeed, I was. I was doing yeah. my part, um, but really, the shout out goes goes to to my members who've been who've been doing this for a couple of years, and um, really, it's really fantastic. Um, uh, we have our church has a uh, <clears throat> we sit along a, a road that a lot of cars go by, and every Friday in the fall, we we are out there selling bundles of firewood and stuff like that. It's it's pretty fun. I think I've so, seen you, you have a neighbor that has like an elaborate system outside their front. 
uh, property with just like it's like I've how many how much wood do they have in their front property? I've seen like they probably have, enough for like three or four years <laughs> of eating his home with a wood. Is wood that stove. person helping with this process? Uh, they have from time to time, but they're not involved. So really. they're just hoarding wood. For themselves, but that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> um, so, um, in any case, uh, yeah. So then, um, you know, really great uh, day on Sunday. Um, our church is um, worshiping back in our sanctuary for the first time since the pandemic started. Where now uh, this was our second week, and that was a lot of a lot of a sense of accomplishment to do that. Um, I think who that's knows what that'll. I th- I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt, but I think like my inability to enjoy my weekend stems from this overwhelming feeling of being cooped up for far too long. So I, I, I'm cooped up in on the weekends yeah. waiting to enjoy football. It's the one thing you have to look yeah. for. Yeah. So I've had, so for me, like I found some things to enjoy this past weekend. And, and by the way, the weather has just been unbelievably gorgeous. I mean, really since our uh, bro weekend, mm-hmm. um, it's to continue to be just great. And so I've, I've done a lot of outdoor stuff and, um, yeah, we just I capped off last night with um, uh, a, a walk with Eileen around the neighborhood. Between there were like two little uh, storm fronts moving through, and it was like between that it was like sixty five degrees and perfectly calm, and it was you know we just had a great you know time connecting on that. Well, so anyway, it was a great weekend, and then of course the Ravens lost and. And the Steelers <laughs> won. The Steelers <laughs> yeah. have obliterated Cincinnati. Yeah. So you have the Steelers to look forward to. Um, yeah. In my house, um, it you know Eileen, as I've said before, is a Notre Dame fan, and so they are continuing to be undefeated. So at least there's one uh, team in my house that uh, is is playing well. But um, yeah, from a Penn State standpoint, uh, we continue to try to find ways to f- <laughs> find fulfillment outside of the yeah outside of the team. Well, it's interesting you bring up Notre Dame because you know just a couple years ago. Um, how many years ago was it that that um, Kelly and Notre Dame had a horrible year? I mean, they've had, they had a couple doozies in the last decade, I think. But um, but they've they've com- they've stayed committed to Kelly. Yeah, and that's right. And here here they are now. Of course, the season's not over. Right, the but, Fighting Brian Kellys. But of all the teams that are <laughs> the Fighting Brian Kellys, of all the teams that are showing serious ineptitudes in the face of this pandemic. And we've seen tons of teams with promise playing like just horrible football, um, both at at the pro level and at the uh, college level. Notre Dame has found um, a secret to, to success this season. And, you know, it's not for, you know, I'm quite certain that not just Notre Dame fans, but a lot of people in college football were wondering if Brian Kelly was capable of pulling a season like this off any other season, let alone yeah. during a pandemic season. Right. So, well, and this is, of course, not a Notre Dame podcast, but, you know, having a chance to watch the game, uh, watch the team most weeks, they're doing it with a veteran offensive line, uh, a dynamic running game, a solid starting quarterback, veteran quarterback, and Ian Book, and a cutthroat defense. Um, and they're not making mistakes for the most part. And um, yeah, so anyway, that was a bit of a, a bright spot to, you know, Eileen was super, super excited that they 
uh, pulled it off against uh, Boston College. In fact, they uh, they really kind of pulled away and and put a hurt on him. So um, so we'll see what happens. Of course, anything can happen here in the season, including the rest of the season getting canceled as COVID cases are spiking all over the place. But uh, you know, one of the, our our themes has been gratitude. So um, you know, we will talk about some bright spots for Penn State in spite of the loss. But look, here's where we are, Tom. Penn State lost its fourth game of the season to Nebraska, 23-30. We're now 0-4. This is a full-blown dumpster fire. I mean, it's the we first are, 0-4 season since 2001. Yeah, we are the only winless team in the Big Ten. Okay, we Penn State. Only, Illinois, think, think about that. Illinois beat Rutgers, which, by the way, Rutgers looked poised to win yesterday. Illinois got their first win, the fighting Lovey Smiths. <laughs> you know, and um, by the way, yeah. I really like Lovey Smith. I, I I really wish he would have some more success because I, I I think he's well. First of all, his beard is first rate. It's epic. Um, I, I, he's. Yeah. I just think he's a good guy. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, so hmm, he seems like a know, nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna fit this some is Tommy a guy boy in trying here. to put you out of business <laughs> and all you can say is <laughs> like, like nice yeah. yeah i mean lovey smith is probably trying to put james franklin out of business if he uh, had the ability to play him every season well but, if, if anyone's if anyone's trying to put franklin out of business it's probably jim harbaugh and he's not doing so hot a job either oh, harbaugh and michigan is also scraping bottom although they do have a win they're they're zero and three in their last three weeks I mean, the talk of the nation right now in terms of the football picture is Notre Dame flying high and Penn State and Michigan, you know, taking a nosedive, uh, which is which is kind of crappy to be in that conversation. I mean, I you know, I, there have been a lot of people saying that um, Penn State is the most, you know, the the most overrated team in like history, essentially. <laughs> you know, I think it was get this, get this stat. This is the. The last team to start a season preseason top ten and to open zero and four. Do you know the last time that happened? I don't. But it was nineteen eighty four. I'm not going to feel very good. And about the team it. was Pitt. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. tell me about. We're it. we're in Pitt level <laughs> implosion. Nineteen, dude. Nineteen eighty four. I was one year old in nineteen eighty four, and for top ten <laughs> Pitt started 0 and 4 and I don't know when the last time anybody was 0 and 5 but if Penn State starts 0 and 5 it'll be the first time in the history of Penn State football that they've ever been 0 and 5 so this is truly unprecedented this is an unprecedented year oh, in all, all around. the worst respects yes absolutely <laughs> so, um, you know of course there's extenuating circumstances for that uh high ranking uh to start the season and the full tanking that's happening now but we're oh, well yeah. past well past the point of excuses. We're getting more perspective every week on how glaring our, like you know, how glaring our situation is, and and where where the fingers need, are being pointed and why. And it's not any one individual thing or any one individual person, unfortunately. Yes, it's a it's a it's a layer of um, uh, upon layer of, of of bad and dysfunction. Um, but look, here's here's what we're going to do today uh, for all you listening. Um, and by the way, we're so sorry that, <laughs> that, you, that you're um, subjected an, to more conversation. What an about, interesting year to start yeah. a Penn State podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, adversity, uh, you know, that we're facing here. It'll build us up for the years ahead, which we do expect there'll be years ahead. But anyway, again, <laughs> thank do. you for still listening to us. Here's what you can expect today. Um, we're going to, 
we're not going to do like a full blown uh, gut check on the team. We did that last week. If you if you want to hear it, look at the listen to the Maryland recap. We're going to actually talk about uh, some of uh, you know the game recap, do some analysis. Um, uh, you know, we we'll, think we think it's more worth talking about this game than it was. Yeah, there was about the there last are enough game. bright spots and signs of life to actually actually uh, actually do that. Um, so we'll do that. We'll take a closer look um, at, at some of those things. Um, it, you know, we'll take a little bit of a, a, a detour on on some of the bigger picture. Um, you know. And, and what's underneath uh, the continuing problems? Pop the uh, hood. Uh, pop the hood a little bit. Heard a lot um, of Urban Meyer But mostly we're just going to do some, some analysis today. So um, – so, so here's sort of the some of the storylines from the game, and we'll get into some of these. But let let me just run some of these down real quick. Um, first of all, this was a tale of two halves. Okay, um, Nebraska Again. scores 27 points in the first half to our um, six. Um, they only scored three in the second half to our 17. So again, we won the second half, and that's a that's a season long pattern, by the way. Um, we also um, won the total offense uh, game. And that three out of the four weeks we've outrun or you know we've had more yards than the other team. Um, you know we had 500 yards uh, um, to their 300. We we had 30 first downs. We held onto the ball for uh, almost 37 minutes. Um, another storyline: we had some. Decent running back play, and we said that was going to be a key to the game, and we got that. Um, Ford had 66 yards and a touchdown. Um, Keziah Holmes had 50 yards uh, with a with a nice long run. He had the long run of the game, I think. Uh, Keziah Lee, excuse me, Kevon Lee had 49 yards uh, along with a touchdown. So the his first running backs career. got going. First touchdown of his career. Um, so running backs played well. Um, you know, probably the biggest headline of the game, and I don't know why I didn't lead with it. Um, Sean Clifford got benched four and a half minutes into the second quarter, and um, Will Levis played the rest of the game and and really had himself quite a nice game. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. He had a um, a, a a good enough game, I would say, compared to the quarterback play that we've been seeing this season. Uh, he did not commit the 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 sin of of uh, turning the ball over no turnovers no no turnovers no turnovers which, which was and, the uh, problem to drove the ball know, this week was drove the ball pretty well when he had it yeah he was um, so we'll talk let's talk about him so just a couple other the headlines um, probably the biggest like flashing red uh, warning headline um, is that we could not score touchdowns in the red zone. We had a terrible, terrible day in the red zone. Um, probably that, in addition to Sean Clifford turnovers, were the re- was the reason, um, you know, the most obvious reason that we lost that game. Um, also, along those lines, um, we continued to see um, problems with the things that we have seen in weeks past, turning the ball over in inopportune times leading to points for the other team, as well as penalty woes in critical situations. And then finally, um, uh, the, the defense continues to, to have a hard time finding their footing, especially in the first half. Um, they, they gave up a, n- a number of uh, explosive plays. Um, we were not able to um, really disrupt the opposing quarterback. So those are some of the things that we saw in that game. Again, uh, leading to uh, a 23-30 to 30 uh, defeat, uh, you know, 
but we were in this game, Tom, for the first time, I think, since uh, I saw the team take the field uh, at the start of the season, I really felt like in the in the fourth quarter, we had a chance to come away with a win, not because like we would eke it out, but because we were actually looking good for a little bit there um, in the second half. We didn't manage to get the scores we needed, but um, there were maybe some signs of life on this Penn State team, uh, even as we walk away with a loss. And, and I think that really comes down to, uh, first and foremost, uh, Will Levis and what he was able to do as quarterback at Penn State this week. He provided the spark this week. Certainly, I would say it got, kind of got the team. You could see the team had a little more energy on the sidelines um, when Levis was uh, in the game and moving the ball and providing some electricity to to the team. It, it, it wasn't just electricity to the offense. The defense feeded on that somewhat too. Um, but when you know when when Clifford w- was in there and they, um, that strip sack happened, um, it, you could. The, the sideline was devoid of not, not just positive positive energy. They were even devoid of negative energy. There was just there was just nothing on yeah, the sidelines. Yeah, it was lines. like total resignation. Totally. So and you know we got to start with Sean Clifford and and how he started the game, which was you know with a couple of good plays to to start and then a, a truly awful pass to. Um, Jahan Dotson, who, by the way, was wide open for a big gain. Yeah, it would have and been a first threw, down. You know, and so so Dotson was breaking to the outside, and Clifford's throwing the ball as he's breaking to the outside. So it's not like a, there was a miscommunication in my judgment. He just threw the ball to the inside while Dahan, Dahan, Jahan Dotson Dahan. is breaking to the outside. He was off by five yards or more on that pass and literally threw it right to uh, the cornerback. He threw it to the wrong number five. The, the, the cornerback was also number five, but you don't, you don't mistake red for, for blue, that's for sure. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and he ends up returning that... Um, the interception for what something like fifty yards or something like that. It was yeah, it was a big return. Uh, I, uh, we I were already down seven nothing at that point because the defense had uh, let Nebraska up. roll on their first drive. Um, Yet again, defense was able game. to hold uh, hold Nebraska to a field goal on a short field. So, um, so I thought that was you know a little bit of. Um, a positive sign from the defense, which turns out was short-lived. Um, but, you know, so so Sean Clifford, you know, already first drive of the game, throws a terrible, I mean, just ugly, awful interception. I was wondering at that point whether he would come back out at all. Um, yeah, so, I mean, where, where do you want to go from here? Should, should we? What are we diving into? Because I, I could dive into that opening defensive drive for Penn, for Penn State. I could dive into that horrible throw from well, Clifford. Well, let's stick with I the could... quarterbacks for the moment and just like <laughs> – you know, again, you know, so so Clifford comes back out. Yeah, um, and uh, so, I can't remember how many other series he had, but but then um, you know, w- you know, we were not able to really do a whole lot um, with Clifford, um, and then he comes out. You know, again, it's a couple minutes into the second quarter, and uh, you know, this play where you know he's facing pressure. He he, first well, of all, it t- makes a bad decision to try to to hang on to the ball when there's obvious pressure in his face. He looked awful on that play in terms of just kind of running straight into uh, the, the defender that was in his face. And then I don't I, – I, I, I watched the replays. I didn't even see that 
the defender knocked the ball out of his hands. It looks like he just sort of like, sort of whoops, you yeah, know, and the yeah, ball Clifford just sort was, you could tell Clifford was still trying to make something happen. And he was and deer in the headlights. That, it was like that, panicking, right? He was still trying to make a play. Uh, you could see it with, with just how he was trying not to go down. He was totally wrapped up. Yeah. And and you're coached at that point to protect cover the ball. the ball, protect the ball. So it, it is that play in a nutshell sums up Clifford's entire year. I that, think I think that, so. Those those two turnovers sum up Clifford's entire year. I mean, all, all all in the two plays right there. It's just that you know not hitting open receivers, making horrible passes. And trying to do too much without any pocket awareness, right? And making a mistake that that gives, I mean, the, you s- the game to the other team. A to- a to- I mean, if you remove those ten points that on those two um, turnovers that Clifford allowed, those those two inter- uh, turnovers, you know, resulted in ten points by the opponent. Um, if you take those two those ten points off the off the scoreboard, what do you what do you have, Andy? Yeah, we have a win for Penn State, and I yeah. and I want to say that's. I feel like it's the third or fourth time we've said that very phrase this this season. Like if you if you take away the points off of turnovers, which are directly attributable to Sean Clifford, Penn State would have won the game. Now, so, yeah. Now, now it's 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 easy to to point to Sean Clifford in those mistakes he's made. Those are inexcusable mistakes, no doubt. Certainly not trying to excuse. Um, the fact that he made those mistakes, but it, it, it's a, those those mistakes happening are a culmination of of all the woven um, the interwoven yes. um, ineptitudes of other aspects of this team. Yeah, Sean okay? Sean Clifford is not single handedly responsible for Penn State losing all of their games, you know. But like you said, it's sort of um, indicative. It's endemic to the you know, the the way the season has gone for him, where there have been some bright spots, he's manufactured some yards, but ultimately the the, the mistakes and decision-making have been critical enough. And, um, you know, you and I wondered whether we would see Sean Clifford to start the game. I wondered after that interception whether we'd see him again. And then finally, after that strip sack return for touchdown that, um, you know, put them, up, put them up by 21 at that point, I think. Um, you know, yeah, it was like, I mean, and of they course, because 20, they scored yeah, they the touchdown, twenty-four to three. Yeah, be, because they scored the touchdown, you, the offense comes right back out on the field, and that's where we saw Will Levis, and you know, who what injected was your, an immediate, immediate, and, and it was an immediate, uh, like flip of the script in terms of what he was able to do. He was able what, to. Dr- hold, was before able we get before we talk about his drive, like what were your just initial emotions when you saw Levis out there instead of Clifford? It was a sense of relief because here, <laughs> yeah. here, it was a sense of relief because, you know, much like how a season before the season starts, here's hope, here's optimism all on the table in front of you. Now, it's not quite the same because, you know, Will, we've seen Will Levis come into games before and the coaching staff hasn't always necessarily put him in the perfect position to be able to succeed. And they definitely haven't shown an ability or... They definitely haven't shown that they have trusted his arm in a lot of a lot of situations in other games. He's not been given a lot of chances to throw the ball. No, he's not. But so and 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 with that, 
it was very interesting to learn uh, uh, to learn leading into the game that Will Levis, oh, excuse me, Will Levis uh, did not get a. I, I don't. I can't. I can't tell you the percentage of the snaps that he got with the first team, but I was. Um, I read that it was extremely low, and he did not get any red zone first team snaps. Um, You're talking but, about so, it in practice during the week? in practice during the week leading yeah. up to the game. And we'll, yeah, you know, we'll talk about those red zone issues. I think in a yeah. moment. Um, so it's and- just interesting that that they definitely the coaches, you know, they they kept they stuck with Sean Clifford. Yeah, they, they were not hedging. Leading into this game, yeah, it wasn't you know, like fifty percent of the snaps were for Will. Fifty percent of the snaps were for um, Sean. Going, you know, in practice leading into this game this week, it was all hands on deck for Sean Clifford to yeah. go lead us to victory. So, but you know, yeah, so, he, so he, n- he nonetheless, proved- <laughs> uh, Clifford showed that he he you know for whatever reason he still doesn't have it. You know, mentally, um, decision making, you know, mechanics, whatever it is, uh, for the. Really, for the third week in a row, fourth week in a row, um, he's 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 really made critical mistakes. Levis got a shot, and like you said, uh, picking back up uh, right away, uh, came in and gave this team a spark. Yeah, he 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 drove the team fifty-two yards in thirteen plays. Held onto the ball for five minutes and forty-one seconds. Now they only got um, a uh, field goal out of it. But, you know, some points is better than no points and no turnover is certainly worth mentioning. Um, yeah. And by the way, we were uh, we were had a first and goal situation on that drive. Yeah. Yeah. And it, right? the only reason the only reason it, it, it uh, we had to we were forced to kick the field goal was because we had a 15 yard personal foul on uh, a pl- on a play CJ Thorpe uh, got a little dirty on in fact back to back dirty plays by CJ Thorpe that really one, one the first one resulted in a in an injured Nebraska player and the second one resulted in a 15 yard penalty that you know kind of pulled us out of contention for for a touchdown there but yeah, we still now, came away with points thankfully. you know we we had the first two plays of that first and goal i i think didn't yield much by way of results, but, you know, really took away a chance to get a touchdown on, on, you know, instead of third and seven or whatever, you're at third and, you know, 20. So, or, or whatever it was. So, so it was just, you know, all that to say though, um, Levis really took the bull by the horns. He, he, the moment was not too big for him. And really for the whole game, he showed, I think a lot of poise uh, and good decision-making. He, uh, you know, he when he missed on his passes, he, it was not like a, a near interception. He didn't fumble the ball. He ran with a lot of determination and physicality. My goodness, there were some of those where, you, you know, just like, I don't know how how you get yourself uh, motivated to tackle that guy. He was he was you know moving with such determination. Um, Sixty one yards on the ground from Levis with a long of fourteen, but. He actually looked pretty good a lot of the day in the passing game as well. Hey, look, he just he was decisive. He looked like he had confidence back there. We I think this whole season and even um you know, last season as well, we've just been so used to seeing Clifford you know, I, I hate using this term over and over and over again, but ha- the happy feet, you know, he, he's like, and people, you know, use, a, use the phrase, he's seeing ghosts out there. Clifford has been so sloppy in the pocket for so long that I like it. it was, it's almost like a miracle to see somebody in the pocket who's not dancing around, fending off 
defenders, you know, trying to save their own life and trying to look like they're making, I don't know, it, it look like Clifford on any given passing play looks like it's about to be a Hail Mary to save the game at the end of the game. <laughs> like, yeah, but it was just, like uh, all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. All yep. Anytime he goes back to pass, it's like, oh, Clifford's just trying to buy time to 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 or to throw it deep for the, the game winning hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so one of the things I saw from Levis was just like you're saying, good pocket awareness. You know, he wasn't taking sacks when, uh, when he didn't have to, I can't remember if he was sacked at all, actually, but, um, I don't think so. I don't they, think so either. No, they had two sacks on us. Maybe, maybe Will Levis was sacked one time, but, 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 you know, he wasn't, he wasn't taking bad sacks. Um, he was moving in the pocket. He was finding, uh, open receivers while he was moving or throwing it away when he needed to throw it away. Uh, you know, the other thing I, th- I saw from him in addition to the pocket awareness is something that we just really wanted to see out of Clifford, which was quick, decisive uh, decision, you know, decisive decisions, um, both in the RPO and in the um, short passing game. And yeah, he was he was hitting his receivers quick. Um, most of those short passes were accurate. I felt like the RPO was working I and mean, there's still some issues with the RPO, but it felt like Certainly. it was working a lot better um, and that his decisions uh, were were better on the RPO. Uh, so, yeah, just decision-making, accuracy, um, pocket awareness, all was, I thought, really good. I mean, we have to bring up the fact that he, he uh, beautifully eluded a would-be uh, sack um, – Easily peeling back. Yeah, Yeah. peeling back and and throwing on the run down the sideline to Pat Fryermuth for a 75 yard touchdown. Now you can you can touchdown. I'm sorry, I'm it was not a touchdown. It was to the one yard line. I I mean my brain remembers it like it should have been a touchdown. touchdown. Because you gotta get in the end zone there. Pat Pat. Fryermuth need to unhitch (laughs) the trailer. (laughs) yeah, I I I, (laughs) seemed a little slow. He certainly yeah, I don't know. I hope he's not like gimpy or anything. Well, that's what I, I heard some rumblings that maybe he was gimpy, and maybe that's why he wasn't in on some of these um red oh, zone line. attempts it's possible i i don't yeah. know we, we might not hear about that because franklin doesn't release any uh injury information but um so you know it, but he was, it was wide just, open he, he was got wide behind open the coverage and Levis, heavens well will levis saw him he's while, number one he, while yeah i mean while peeling back against you know uh, uh, to elude the pressure like you know for a, a backup quarterback to come in and make a play like that without losing his cool and finding the open receiver down the field, that's that's big time. That's huge. Yeah, and and he found him, and then he hit him. It wasn't totally in stride. He, yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, Fryermuth had to had to slow down a little bit to catch it, but it's still enough, Listen, it, it, like with his yeah. momentum going, that he could, you know, and he just had a quick uh, cornerback to catch up to him right and at the very one-yard line. He, he caught <laughs> right, the that's ball. Yeah, right. So, so every, a lot of good things happened, but really it started with, Levis, his pocket awareness, finding the receiver, making a good decision, making a good throw. And, you know, unfortunately, there were no other plays of the game that, like, got us you know, the win. But but that was the play of the game. It was a great play and, you know, really, you know, sparked some momentum and made you think, like, ah, we, we found ourselves a quarterback. <laughs> there, there were a couple of other, um, you know, play of the game worthy plays. Uh, but that was the mo- by far the most electric and and by far the the one that gave us the most hope moving forward. 
Um, you you gotta you gotta give it to um, uh, true freshman Kevon Lee got his first career touchdown, um, a thirty-one yard burst right up the gut for uh, uh, you know. I mean, there was no. It, it was kind of a breakdown on Nebraska's defensive part, but hey, give it to this kid. He found the hole and hit and ran it to daylight and. And he held up the number four for um, Journey Brown, uh, paying paying homage. Yeah, that to, was that was kind of cool to to see yeah. that. Um, you know, I I had said, um, you know, looking into the look looking into the game um, on Thursday that you know you want to see the, the team kind of fight for Journey Brown, like play for Journey, and I think that was a a nod to the fact that at least the running backs were, and and that, I think in addition to Will Levis. Um, the second really bright spot for the offense was that the running backs actually got going. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is the first game this season that a running back actually led the team in rushing. And with a quarterback, um, you know, Sean Clifford had 19 rushing yards and Will Levis had 61 rushing yards. So those aren't like, you know, with a running back that led those efforts, that's you, you can be thankful that at least, hey, you know, Devin Ford, uh, Kaziah Holmes, Kevon Lee, they when they were given the rock, they moved it forward. They got yeah, first, they, we had a lot of first downs. We had like 30 first downs in this game. That's yeah, a lot so of we, first downs. Yeah, I mean, so so between Will Levis and the running backs, we, there was something that was it, it almost feels like the offense is starting to find itself and find its rhythm. There were some just some good things that were happening. Um yeah, the, we had a couple of long runs that weren't from the quarterback. Um, you know, it wasn't a scramble play. Um, Kaziah Holmes had a 36-yard run um, toward to the outside. Um, yeah, like you great. mentioned, Kayvon Lee had a had a 31-yard touchdown run. Um, Ford led the team in rushing. Um, you know, so and Ford, we still looks like we're trying to kind of pound him inside as like a every down back, and I'm not sure that's really how he's built. But nonetheless, I felt like he was. Instead of making two yards on a lot of those plays, he was making four and five and six yards on on a lot of those plays. So it just, you know, and and I would say credit to the offensive line. I said to you during the game, and and I'm not sure you totally agreed with me, but it felt like the O line was getting push for the first game all season, where you know it's just like we're man on man beating the opposing line, and I felt like for a good part of the game that was happening up front. So I think we saw that in the run game um, with Ford pounding it. Um, We saw it in the run game with breaking some big runs and um, getting the ground game going really was a huge relief. Um, And he also gave Lev, took some pressure off of Levis, I think um, so that he didn't have to feel like he had to win the game on his own. Yeah. I mean, so what, what I'll say is Devin Ford, the fact that we're just, um, I don't think we we have defined kind of roles for these running backs yet. It's just it's just this kind of random um, running back by committee attempt, and no one's really established himself, uh, at least in the games, as any one kind of particular style of running back. But one thing that, at least from a fan um, fan optic, is Devin Ford just pounding him between the tackles doesn't seem to be super effective and um you can you can kind of highlight that by you know he through four games the dude only has 207 rushing yards at a 3.9 yard attempt um yeah it's those yards 3.9 per attempt, yards. those yards yeah. per attempt is what really stands out to me 
Yeah, you haven't you haven't gotten this. This so Devin Ford is five eleven, and uh, you know two pounds shy of two hundred yards. He's not a. What did I say? Two hundred yards. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so he's 198 pounds is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, you know, and then here you have um, Kevon Lee, who's 230 pounds. He's you a know, large. He, he dude. feels. I mean, granted, he's a true freshman. But he feels like the kind of back that you would you would want to pound between the tackles a little bit more than a 198 pound back in Devin Ford, especially when you're kind of struggling to make these uh, create these running lanes and these creases and and whether it's the creases not being there or not being wide enough or Devin Ford not finding them well enough, it just you know yeah, and it, tackle breaking I think worked. is part of that too certainly right? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah he's he's getting I he might have one of the worst you know broken tackles um per attempt in the country i'm just kind of saying yeah, that's that a, that's having, one of those next gen stats that i don't yeah, know that we have uh access I, I don't to have right the, i don't have the time to create it um but yeah oh. i just you know he, he feels like the kind of back you want to get into space a little bit more and they haven't really schemed that in in the offense yet yeah which I, is kind of disturbing to me in terms of the run game but you know so i want to temper my expectations for how how the run game looked against a what prior to you know Saturday was an inept Nebraska defense, um, where they Fair enough. Given- I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, granted, and um, you know, one game does not necessarily make a pattern, but uh, you know, it definitely broke the pattern of running the running backs basically not making anything happen. So, so you know, again, I thought that was very positive um, to to match the the, the positive of Will. Levis and and overall again you know you, you can fault this team for a lot of things but you can't fault them for failing to move the ball because they are moving the ball over 500 yards offense um it doesn't matter what era of football you're playing in that's a lot of offense right there sure um yeah, no so doubt. You know, Will Levis uh, moved the ball and on the ground in the air. You know, his completion percentage was not great. I think a lot of that's because of the red zone incompletions. And to me, the the thing that uh, you know, in terms of our execution, aside from those turnovers, that failed to win the game for us on the offensive side of the ball is the fact that we got into the red zone a number of times, and we could not come away with touchdowns. Um, we settled for a field goal at one point, and then we, you know, settled for no points because we were down seven with the with a game, uh, you know, winding winding down, and we just we needed that touchdown, so we went for it on fourth down, on two occasions, couldn't get it. Um, do you, but Tom, do you have you you sent I me think, a, a text yeah, I, <laughs> that showed like what those pl- what those last, you know. The, yeah, I mean, those well, last two and goal situations, what the play calls were and the results. <laughs> so he, here they are. You know, um, this is a um, tweet from Pat Forty. Um, Penn State on three possessions inside the Nebraska fifteen in the second half. Run for no gain. Run for no gain. Run for loss of three. Field goal. Incomplete. 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 Sack. Incomplete. So, ouch! <laughs> you know, <laughs> up until that, up until all those incompletions, you know, I mean, first of all, those all those plays were terrible. 
So they, they, none of, none of them worked (laughs) clearly. So it's like they tried the running didn't work. Then they tried the passing until the game was over. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and some of that was, uh, was related to probably time on the clock and, and number of timeouts you have and stuff like that. But, um, but if you, if you look at, if you look at Will Levis's stats before all those incomplete attempts, um, you know, you know, it's not, it doesn't look as bad. It's just, I don't know what's going on in the, in the red zone as far as play calling goes, but this has been a problem since before Kirk Shiraka. So I don't know where yeah, you also sent me another, um, another tweet, uh, of someone who, who compared Kirk Shiraka at Minnesota and his red zone conversion yeah. rate versus oh, I got it. I got it right here. Um, Brian Fisher, uh, tweeted that Kirk Shiraka in the red zone last year at Minnesota, 90%, 43 90%. touchdowns, 43 touchdowns and 59 attempts. This year at Penn State, 42%, eight touchdowns in 19 trips. So, yikes. I mean, I think we were one for six in the red zone this past week. Something, I think it was something like that. I don't have that stat I mean, in front of me right now. Good. But, right. The, the one touchdown that we scored in the red zone was we started on the one yard line after that big Pat Fryermuth in, her, uh, in com- completion. Um, and then our first play out of that was like a five yard loss or something, right? You know, yeah. so we're so we were we were fortunate that you know we were first and goal from the one, and then second and goal from like the five or six, and you know I was like, oh, geez, you know, f- fortunate we actually you ran the RPO. It seemed like the same play that we just lost five yards on, and then we actually punched it in with Devin Ford. It was a really really gutsy good run, a uh, tough run, um, but but yeah, it just it did not. Our run feel... game feels it feels pretty predictable, um, just from a you know, well, especially a... in short yardage. Yeah, it just feels and, like, and that's know, been bad since even Saquon Barkley. It feels like so, they know what we're gonna do before we do it. So even even when we had Joe Moorhead, who is apparently lighting things up over at Oregon now that he got canned at Mississippi State, um, you know, you, uh, you know, I feel good we, for the guy, but like definitely, it's still a bit, little bit of a bitter taste that he left had <laughs> had failure. At, well, my my point my point is, even and then when goes we had, and is lighting it up now. Even when we had offense. the golden child. Of Joe Moorhead, sure, sure. our our short yardage running situation is yeah. dismal. Yeah, it's dismal. Some, it Even with Saquon Barkley, it was dismal. I agree. I, I mean, I, I mean that's that's an even a those nice like way of really really good teams. You you know you felt like dismal. How do you how do you manage to be so inept? and and my my issue is and this is my issue. It's I haven't I don't really hear. You know, other people from a journalistic standpoint bickering too much, like like us fans do. Why on earth is that our only way of designed runs for running backs is from that exact same formation where where the running back is either to the left or to the right of the quarterback, and it's just sit there and like I am sick to death of seeing the run game just come from. That formation, I it is it's 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 really really it grinds my gears. It's a Gathmania gripe. It really is. I I, I can't. I'm I'm getting annoyed. I'm really bothering me. <laughs> I don't know. I how think else to... I think you ought to send um, a note <laughs> to Coach Franklin. Just a little, you know. Don't you miss having a having like a an eye formation? They gotta have a suggestion box, right? I I just why why does it have to be so slow developing? It feels like it really actually it's boom or bust. 
you know, and, and, and he, but when, you know, it was boom or bust for Saquon. Let's put it that way. Now it's like uh, three yards in a cloud of dust or bust. It's duster bust now. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I the like old it. Duster bust run game. Uh, oh, so, yeah. Am I, I wrong? You. Am I crazy? I no, like I don't crazy think you're crazy. Pills. I don't think you're crazy. And of course, like that's what we should what? call this episode: crazy pills. Because it feels like that's what I'm taking. <laughs> okay, well, um, we'll put it on the whiteboard. <laughs> the idea storm. Yeah. So uh, dust or bust? Tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, so you know, I I think I think you're right. You know, and in years past, the explosive plays of the offense um, really offset the the problems in the short running game. You know, because yeah, you got a 45-yard touchdown to overlook the fact that you gave it up on fourth and one. Um, but, um, you know, here when when we don't have those explosive plays, uh, we, we had, a, had a few, but certainly not the way that Penn State those offenses have in the plays, past. Those explosive plays that you speak of that were this past week, I don't know if we've had any explosive run plays before yeah. this past week. I, I, I can't think of any offhand, but um, the, the couple that we had – those felt like a defensive breakdowns on Nebraska's part, which I'll take, obviously, and Penn State will take, clearly, because, you know, we'll take what we can get at this point, but they didn't feel like the schemes allowed for for those explosive plays. It felt like it was Nebraska's um, own um, fault for for being out of position because because in the Kevon Lee well, touchdown, it, you know, the whole middle of the field was wide open. I mean, that's... that's- uh, isn't that how most explosive plays happen? You know, because you not catch. No, not I mean, necessarily. You catch. The, I mean, that's part of why you run some of those plays because you're hoping to catch the defense out of position. Um, well, you're hoping to get to the second level and then make a move. Sure. You know. Sure. That's that's where that's where the the RPO comes in. I mean, I understand what you're saying that maybe you know maybe mistakes by Nebraska gave us some of those plays, but. You know, that's again, that's maybe not the only way those explosive plays happen, but it's definitely one of the ways and that that you're trying to scheme for a mistake. But um you know, I, I think like granted, the short running game is a problem and it's it's one of the things that exacerbates the red zone uh woes. But you know, I think the other thing that exacerbates the red zone woes, especially um you know, against Nebraska is, is what you were saying earlier, which is Will Levis did not get a lot of time with the first team receivers. And so, yeah. you know, you're trying to run some of those um, fades, which, you know, when it works, it, you, everyone looks everyone looks amazing, but they're actually really hard plays to, to um, pull together because it relies on a lot of chemistry between the quarterback – and the receiver, the quarterback is letting go of the ball um, well before the receiver is going to be at the spot where the where I'll have a chance to catch the ball. So you ha- both guys need to know based on incomplete information uh, when that's going to happen, uh, and so it really relies on reps and an understanding of of your teammates. And uh, you know those those fade passes, they were there. You know the 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 receivers were open. the The coverage was such that that you could have uh, fit those passes in. They just they they did not connect. Um, and I'm not sure. I mean, it wasn't necessarily receiver. It wasn't necessarily Levis. It was just that chemistry wasn't there. That that they were on the same page about where to be when that when that pass uh, left 
Levis's hand. So that wasn't every play in the red zone uh, was a fade pass that that wasn't there. But you know, especially when those windows are narrow um, and the you know field is compressed like that. Precision between the quarterback and the receiver is essential, and we didn't see that. And I think maybe some of that is just showing Levis's shortcomings as a passer, but I think at least some of it has got to be that he hasn't had uh, first-team reps. I'll be I'll be um, in- intrigued to see what type of uh, offense, you know, we see them calling from a play calling standpoint uh, with Will Levis on at the helm coming out for the Iowa game because, you know, I, I, I don't – without a quarterback who's kicking you – kicking the team in the foot or whatever, you know, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they just call the same type of game that they'd call for, for Sean Clifford or if they try and – you know, get a little creative with how they're calling the, the game with a new quarterback. Uh, I mean, I, I'll just, I'll wait and see, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to see if, if, if it changes at all with Will Levis, if it, if we're more of a run heavy team or if they actually start trusting Will Levis's ability to throw the ball. I look, I think that Levis has shown himself worthy of that trust. And although he is, uh, a, a strong runner, and that will they'll I would expect want to play to those strengths. I mean, they were running Clifford quite a lot as well. I, you know, I think it would be a mistake, especially with the way that you know the new receive the new receivers uh, Parker Washington and Keon Keandre Lambert Smith. Um, you know, were were showing they've shown some some bright spots uh, this season. It would be a, a shame to to slow that down. And of course, Jahan Dotson has been a game breaker and he, you know, he didn't have a game breaking play, um, you know, and may, maybe just that he wasn't open or maybe that Levis needs some time with him. But we have some talent at receiver. We really ought to make sure we don't abandon on, uh, abandon the running game, uh, excuse me, abandon the, the passing game <laughs> um, in favor of the running game. So, uh, you know, and well, and, if the defense keeps keeps us behind by 14 to 21 points to open up every game, I think you're not. Yeah, exactly. Because look what, you know, Will Levis attempted 31 passes in a game where he didn't even play the full game, you know, coming off the heels of a, of a Clifford, you know, Penn state, <laughs> Yeah. All-time record attempted passes thrown in a game at 57. You know, this is trending in a direction that you know, we're rel- we're de- it's desperation in terms of the passing game. It's not it's not schemed. Right. It's, it's out of desperation. It didn't feel quite as desperate this this week, I'll say that, but you're right. He did throw quite a lot of passes for, you know, having only played um part of the game. Tom, is there any way that you think we see Sean Clifford to start the Iowa game, or is this now Levis's team? It will be, it will be a a huge letdown for the fan base if we see Sean Clifford. It will be a probably a huge letdown for the team, uh, in my opinion, just emotionally if they see Sean Clifford. You know, you, you know, again, you know, Will Levis provided a spark. Yeah. And that spark on the sidelines, if you go away from that spark, it, it I doubt it'll ha- I doubt it'll work out well. I, I and that's I feel and I feel really bad for Sean Clifford especially because you know, he 
he I found the article from after the LSU national championship victory where Joe Burrow obviously completed one of the craziest seasons ever by a quarterback. Yeah. And and you know, Sean Clifford stated, you know, I'd like to have a trajectory like a like a Joe Burrow, you know, like so under he, the radar and and have a breakout, right? So so it begs the question did did Sean Clifford put too much on himself? Did Sean Clifford have too high of expectations for himself? And it's he probably did. And with the with the fa- the fact that he couldn't work hand in hand with his new quarterback coach on the new offensive scheme, um, new yeah, I just it it didn't it didn't the pandemic didn't lend itself to getting off on the right foot for a a season of that magnitude if it was ever possible to begin with. But it's clear in the way that Sean Clifford has played through four games that he was trying to make the game happen on every single play. He was trying to win the game with every second he held on to the ball too long, with every pass that he overthrew, with every you know <laughs> fumble and interception that was thrown. He was just trying too hard to make something happen that wasn't there. Yeah. You know, if it's dangerous to be an armchair quarterback, it's even more dangerous to be an armchair psychologist. So I don't want to read too much into what Sean Clifford uh, I mean, had going it, on in his head. But but let me just it say makes sense. <laughs> that I think there was every reason to hope for a, a really, really strong and uh, much improved Sean Clifford at the start of the season. Um, but for one reason or another, uh, rather than a step forward, it was definitely a step back. And I agree with you. I do too. And, you know, th- this is going to be an opportunity for some character building for him. How's he going to respond to to being demoted and being QB2? Because quite frankly, if we're going to run Levis like the way we, we expect to see him run, uh, you know, Levis could get injured at any time. Clifford will have to come back in. Will he be ready? Um, you know, so, you know, who knows what happens in the offseason? So I think, you know, is Clifford going to keep his head in the game? Is he going to be supportive of Will Levis? Is he going to continue to work? Um you know, we'll find out. But yeah, it's a tough break for the kid. Uh, you feel bad for him. Uh, we were certainly all rooting for him. But I, I agree with you. It would, I think, it would be a tremendous mistake uh, for this for this team, um, as well as you know the mentality of the team, as well as the wins and losses. I think if you if you uh, if you don't stick with Will Levis, I think he's the new QB one for Penn State. I mean, you know, so after the game, uh, Franklin was asked immediately after the game. <laughs> Like, hey, who's your starting quarterback for next week? And it's like, hey, he's up. You know, like we have to look. We have to. We haven't even talked to these guys yet. Uh, I haven't talked to my coaches. We, 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 you know. So, so he wasn't able to announce immediately after the loss. You know that Will Levis was beyond shadow of a doubt the quarterback moving forward. But you know, today, today we're recording on Monday. I imagine by Tuesday we will. Yeah, we'll hear, see the depth chart. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would be. Let's put it this way. I will be shocked. If Will Levis is not named the starter by tomorrow's press conference, I will yeah. be absolutely stunned. I will be. I will be surprised per- if it, I'll if, be perturbed. If it wasn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, um, you know, and, and and it might be clear to the team in terms of him taking first team reps, and he's for some reason, you know, keeping that from being announced to you know Iowa, for example, right? You know, but sure. um, I, I mean, Penn State didn't wasn't didn't know until game day, I believe, that Luke. Um, McCaffrey was going to be Nebraska starter, exactly. Which, exactly. which by Even the though way, that was may have played a, a role in 
you know, our struggling out of the gate defense well, to not be prepared for to... not be prepared for a redshirt freshman first time <laughs> starting yeah. quarterback who by the way ran an up tempo offense against our you know I, I we're, this defense is just sleepwalking through the first half of every single game. Yeah, so and, let, and, let's and take you, that. Turn. We let we let that redshirt freshman score points on every single one of his first three drives. You know, we gotta. So so we, we've we've talked about the offense, um, the both what they've done well and what they didn't do well. But the defense now we've gotta we've gotta talk about. And let me just say as a little bit of a, a you know a bow to that sort of talk of the offense. Kirk Sharaka's offense, you're starting to see uh, some really positive things aside from red zone. But uh, Brent Pry's defense has been a continual problem, and I haven't seen any development there. Uh, at all. I mean, now second half again, we we shut shut things down uh, against Nebraska like we did against Maryland, but it's like too little, too late. And 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 these are these are not like new. They're, they're, these are not new problems with with Penn State defense with Brent Pry. Um, he's had some glaring issues in the in the de- in his defensive schemes for years now. I'll, I'll say, and we've we've all been able to kind of look past those glaring issues. And one is, I think clearly, sec- the, the secondary. You know, with super soft coverages and giving up explosive plays all the time. But we've been able to look past those uh, deficiencies because we've been one of the best points per game. You know, against yeah, um, we've yeah, had, we, we've we, had, we keep opposing offenses from scoring, and we do that in part by getting to the quarterback. And we could and not been, ruffle, uh, like you said, a freshman first time starting quarterback. We could not get in his head at all. He did what he wanted first drive of the game. He went down, yeah, the you know, seventy five yards, drove to a touchdown. Um, third drive of the game again, you know, just just led them to a touchdown. Uh, on the short field, yeah, we stopped them for three points, but but it's but, still three points, you know. And then and then again, by you know by you know, midway through the second quarter, we're down twenty one points. Yeah, Andy. Even though uh, Penn State Brent Pry's uh, Penn State defense, uh, you know, almost blanked um, Nebraska in the second half. I think we what are we holding to a field goal? I believe. Yeah, I think, and uh, and that was in the fourth quarter they got their field goal. So we held them scoreless in the third quarter. That's great. That's awesome. But we've been putting ourselves in such a deep hole in the first half of every single game, and of course, every game, and of course because of our inept offense um, and the and the turnovers. And yeah, yeah, of course. Also so, lead to points, right? So it's very difficult for a an, a struggling offense to come back from from such a hole. Especially now, here we are breaking, you know, in this game breaking in a, a a new quarterback. It's just, it's just, it's almost too much. In fact, it has been too much. So um, it kind of leads you. Yeah, and one of the things that continues to be a problem are giving up explosive plays, right? I mean, we we started off one of the uh, one of the first plays of the game ended up being a, a twenty five yard, like it was like a jet sweep, although it was a considered a pass because it was a shovel pass, and then. And that 45-yard touchdown pass from McCaffrey to Betts for their second touchdown of the game, that was their first passing touchdown all season There's, for Nebraska. Yeah, that's, yeah from a redshirt first-time starting quarterback. And this was supposed to be a secondary that was going to step it up, you know. Um, it was? This year. Well, you know, wasn't it? I mean, didn't I, we? 
I, I mean, we were, let's put, let's put it this Brisker way. and uh, Lamont Wade and and like these guys. You know, we got some that good was, new cornerbacks. That was wishful thinking because you know oh what we're gosh. seeing. We're seeing that the yeah. scheme is bad. The well, scheme is again, bad. We've and always kind of had similar to like the giving not having a good uh, you know short yardage offense overcome by the explosive plays. You know, we've had these like giving up these big plays overcome by the, you know, the sacks and the, the, you know, strip sacks and, 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 and sort of stepping up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we haven't seen those like complimentary so yeah. positive so the, plays on defense to offset the, the breakdowns. So the passing scheme is bad yet again. We, we are giving up explosive plays yet again. And here now we aren't even, you know, I think in the last like four years, no team, only two teams have have um, had more sacks than us over the last four years, and that has been uh, Alabama and Clemson, and and then like there's the Penn State. To keep right, you know. So so they don't even they don't have to respect our um, our our pass rush game anymore, and they definitely didn't have to respect our pass defense game. So here we are, you know, with just here here anything you want to do. Our scheme will allow it because we ha- we don't have players making um, any plays on the front four, um, by and large, and our linebackers are caught out of position and not able to shed blocks, and and here are our you know defensive backs basically letting people get wide open because we're playing off the ball on, on like almost every play, and it's just it, it, there's yeah nothing- I mean like I, there was a, a play I can't remember where this was in the game but like it was. It was an and five uh, to go play, you know, maybe it was third and five or something like that. And, you know, our D-backs, there was no one within five yards of the of the receiver who settled in right at the first down marker. I mean, it's so just it's Brent just, Price inability. He was wide open. It's very frustrating. Brent Price inability to trust his players for playing man to, to, to jam them at the line for five yards. Right. And, you know, every team is going to have strengths and weaknesses. But what we're seeing here are th- these glaring weaknesses without the strengths to help offset them. And that's that's frustrating. So, you know, in addition to an offense that is having trouble to score trouble scoring in the red zone, we're having a defense that can't keep the other team off the board. So we're giving up, you know, 30 plus points a game. And it's in every game this season, we've given every up every game points. this season. That is it's very really, unlike any defense yes. we've fielded in the last four or five years. It's and it's very unlike you know even in the dark years for Penn State football, um, the defense still played stout. They yeah, they still, were the pride of the team. Really. Yeah, they still even though we were devoid of playmakers on offense and. And, you know, the defense couldn't do enough to win games for us. They kept us in games a lot. It, you know, just the offense was so inept in the dark years that yeah. we, I mean, you we think couldn't about get like, anything going. Like rock bottom of Penn State football um, and the 6-4 to four game versus Iowa was yeah. definitely yeah, yeah, probably yeah. rock bottom. But what was that game about it was about our defense who scored four points and only allowed six <laughs> you know and it's funny it's funny you mention um that six to four Iowa game we have Iowa next week yeah. and and they've got a I'm not trying to do a, an Iowa look ahead right now but I'm, I'm talking about our defense here um we th- that's a that's a 
Iowa is a, like a power running team and they've got a, like a highly graded um, uh, running back. And I think his name is Tyler Goodson, I believe. And we better expect a healthy dose of that. And whatever scheme, you know, we <laughs> devise on a defensive stand from a defensive standpoint for that game, it's going to go a long way in, in people's ability to really believe in Brent Pry's um, defense moving forward because I'm 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 losing faith in in what I'm seeing on the defensive side of the ball from from a coaching standpoint because um, I know we got a ton of playmakers we got a ton of athletes and a ton of talent on defense that should not be playing this poorly they really shouldn't be and yeah I mean again especially on the secondary you've got some veterans back there and and just you know. Either they're not learning the scheme properly or the scheme is not putting them in a good position. Uh, you know, we do have some youth on the defensive side of the ball, and that's another part of the the problem. And um, but but again, that you know, this is just uncharacteristic of of Penn State football. You know, on the one hand, Brent Pry has been able to to put on you know, put out some some pretty strong defenses in years past. And so similar to like the the benefit of the doubt that we've been, you know, trying to give Franklin, you kind of want on the one hand to give that to Brent Pry as well. But on the other I'm hand... I'm not sure he has that benefit of the doubt. Well, like, that, that's a good question. And, you know, again, you know, just like Franklin, after some loyalty toward Sean Clifford, finally said enough's enough and he put in the next guy... You know, are we going to see that with anyone on the coaching staff? And I think, you know, Brent Pry is someone, in part because we haven't seen development, uh, the, the, those problems have not uh, gotten better throughout the season. Unlike, say, with the offense, you're starting to see some development with a brand new coach, um, you know, really two brand new coaches. On the defensive side, you had a lot of the same pieces in place started out with some problems, but those problems have not improved. And especially over the last two games with two teams who are not, you know, lighting it up offensively, really, um, you know, at least historically in Maryland and Nebraska, you know, and, and to to lay an egg on defense both times is really tough to watch, um, especially, as you say, with a struggling offense. But, we'll you know, we'll see um, – you know, we'll see what happens with Brent Pry. We'll see what happens with uh, the defense – um, we did have, uh, again, some troubles with penalties. Brandon Smith got a, a, a late hit penalty uh, or, or it was a you know, unnecessary roughness. I think he threw the guy to the ground or something like yeah, that after it was the play. Un- it was an unnecessary roughness. Um, you know, so those kind of things continue to bite us. Finally got ourselves an interception. Uh, Brandon Smith made a great interception, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing you need to see. If you're going to make mistakes, you got to make up for We needed that interception. Plays. Yeah, we needed that interception at that point in time, too. And then, of course, complimentary football did not strike, and we were not able to do anything with it. Yeah. But... It was a on good the defensive sign. side, though, it was too yeah. little, too late. I think you know, and, yeah, and we got to yeah. see that kind of um, attention to detail, tenacity, uh, playing within yourself, doing your job, um, and then you know making the uh, the play uh, when it comes to you and executing. We got on the defensive side. We really need to start seeing that. And and again, I think if we fail to see it, we're going to be at risk. Of losing these, continuing to lose these games um, again until the offense can finally figure out how to put the ball in the end zone. Um, a couple uh, real quick points. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me on special teams. 
Um, we had uh, Jake Pinniger get some footing in the kicking game where he did not miss a field goal. Uh, I think he hit three field goals. Three for and, three. Yep. And it was a windy day in Nebraska, I believe. And um, so, and with that windy day, we uh, we also saw Jordan Stout. I think it was his first kickoff that did not go for a touchback on the entire season. So <laughs> he kicked it out of bounds, and it was a pe- and it was a penalty to I mean, the right 30, now, 35 right, yard line. Yeah, right. And, yeah, which didn't help. But like you know, right now, um, anything that you know keeps the ball out of the other team's hands and keeps them from making a big play is helpful. So yeah, Jordan Stout has been one of those like silent performers that has that has really helped us. You know, of course that mistake there. Um, I don't remember uh, what happened did, on that drive. He, he also did did miss a 56 yard field he goal attempt, a long field which, goal. which you know you can't. You know, fault a 56-yard field goal attempt to a college on a windy day. On a windy day, yeah. So you know, we we had some some signs of good things for Jake Penninger hitting the the the, you know the kicks he needed to make, and um and Jordan Stout. Uh, he did have one bad punt that kind of went off the side of his foot that that was not not great. So so sort of a mixed day when it comes to um. When it comes to the special teams, some some positives and some some eh, you know yeah. nothing glare no glaring breakdowns though. Well, look, um, let's talk about the bigger picture before we before we uh, wrap up this um, show. That's looking back at that Nebraska game. Okay, and there are two articles that you sent me, Tom, um, that that really revolved around the same theme. Um, one was a, an article in Blue and White Illustrated. Um, I can't remember the author of that article off the top of my head. Probably was Nate Bauer. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, and, and then uh, the other was was from Urban Meyer, and we'll put both of those links in the show notes. But they really pointed to the same thing, which is uh, the issue with trust uh, and and the lack of trust on this team being something that is sort of the you may be digging down into one of those sort of root causes of why we're not seeing a team with a lot of potential and talent not actually perform. So basically um, what's going on here is when you say trust, I I don't think that you're seeing a lack of trust from the players towards the coaches. And I don't think you're seeing a lack of trust from the coaches towards the players. I think what what a general theme might be is that like much how we like see Clifford trying to do too much on every play, it's cuz he's not playing within the confines of the of the system of the of that of the way the offense is designed. Um he's not trusting that his the blocks are going to hold or he's not trusting that the receiver is going to run the route properly or he's not trusting that uh he can make the throw correctly or whatever or or alignment is you know alignment is coming off of his block cuz he sees another guy coming out of the corner of his eye that that another player will pick up if he then if if the play is being run properly but because he leaves his man to go and try and make up for whatever play he thinks is going to happen, then the whole play breaks down and you're not seeing the timing of things working out properly because at, at a fundamental level, you, you know, it's breaking down before, um, 
it even has a chance to get off the ground. Right. And uh, maybe that's some of what you were seeing on the defense, too, where it's like yeah. guys over pursuing or, you know, I'm going to cover that guy because I don't think you see him. But really, yeah. I'm leaving my responsibility in the zone or whatever. Um, right. You know, Nate Bauer's article actually quotes Pat Fryermuth. Um, and he, Pat says this, uh, it, it just goes back to everyone trying to do too much and trying to play out of the framework of the offense. We got to block who we're responsible for. We got to block them with the correct technique. If we run our routes at the right depth, then we're going to create the most explosive plays that we can. So that's exactly kind of what you were saying. Of course, he's talking about the offense there, but just like guys trying to to do more than they need to do because they think that the guy next to them isn't going to do it the right way. Right. So so they they, they need to reframe their trust and their their you know their their teammates uh, on either side of them that they're going to do their job on every play not just one play every play so uh, it's it seems like you know a game against Nebraska is only fortifying what they were seeing happen in the prior three games and now maybe they can you know this is this is dire straits now. You know, a win against Nebraska was a must. A win against Iowa is going to be yeah, even more it. important now. Like, if we lose to Iowa, boom, you have no chance of a winning season. You you have a chance of not having a losing season right now. Still, <laughs> right? You do. You do. Right. You you know, a, yeah, regular so, uh, season. I mean, you you can right. still mm-hmm. potentially go on to win that ninth game against your cross divisional matchup uh, in the championship week but you know your well, regular season is in jeopardy of of, of, yeah. of a lot of things I mean, really right now. all the goals that you set out uh are, are really out of reach and and now you're like it's sort of like those desperation goals of like geez we just don't want to be as bad as everyone says we are um, well now you're now it's now you're just it's it's about the pride of what kind of taste you leave in the mouth of this season it's it's do you do you have the pride in your in your own you know, self, your own team to go out there and, and get this thing out of the, out of the dumpster. Yeah. I think uh, to a certain extent, you're really um, playing the long game at this point, right? Cause you have it's, to. it's, it's not just about what the record will end up being at this for this season. It's how do you lay the groundwork for next season, learning and the offense and learning it properly, um, learning to believe in each other, coming together as a team, um, you know, so that you have something to to look forward to next year. Um, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, um, digging deep and playing with pride, putting in the hard work. Um, that's another thing that came up in that um, Meyer article. He he indicates there are three teams. Excuse me, three things that that tend to go wrong in losing teams. One is the trust issues, which we just talked about. The other, he talks about uh, dysfunctional environment which is um, where you don't have a work ethic that matches your expectations. And I think like, you know, here the expectations are all gone. Are you going to continue to put in the work um, so that you can build towards something bigger uh, well, moving I'm forward, not sure, right? I'm not necessarily sure I agree with you that um, that there are no expectations anymore. I think there are, I think they're just different expectations now and you you need to reframe them. And, and, and Meyer's point on work ethic was your work ethic needs to meet or exceed what your expectations are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, yeah, so there still are expectations and can we set some expectations that give us some motivation and then can we actually put in the work to get 
you know, meet those new expectations. That's what like you're if saying. I'm if I'm a player on this team, and I'm not, by the way, <laughs> but if I were, like, what what do do I? I mean, nobody likes losing, but how how much do you hate losing? How much do you want to win? Like, what are you going to do as a player? To, like, are you just going to do what you can individually? Or are you going to try to make others around you better at the same time? Are you going to uplift other people? Are you going to work with them? Are you going to encourage? Are you, Or are you just going to walk into work, you know, into practice and do what you need to do and nothing more? Because that's, that's, that, that's like, that's what people do, you know, that are just, that their expectations are low and they're just trying to do the bare minimum to just get through the day. You know, keep their head down, stay out of trouble. Which, by the way, how much does that characterize like the whole of this pandemic for most people, right? <laughs> Just trying to get through each day. I mean, uh, yeah, it's the best Another I can day hope down. for these days, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's we get not the, the recipe for a, you know, for a football team, which of course is a full team effort, um, which is sort of the third thing that, that Meyer talked about was just selfishness, right? Um, you're just, you're just kind of out for yourself. Um, and you're not going to. You're not not going to put in the sacrifice behind the scenes that no one else can see without any direct clear results that are going to show up, you know, on the scoreboard or on the, you know, your own sense of enjoyment or whatever. Are you going to put in the work unselfishly to put your team in a good position? And to be clear, we're neither you or I or even Urban Meyer is claiming that anyone on this team is selfish. That's not what anyone's saying necessarily. No, he's sort of saying here are the things that can affect a team that's not winning. And so these are, you know, I guess that would be a question for us. To what extent are these things uh, affecting affecting Penn State? Yeah. You know, and you know, going back to the the Dotson comments, right after um, was it after the Maryland game, right? And he was sort of indicating there were there are distractions, there are people who are not really doing the team thing, um, you know. So is that the trust issue? Is that this, you know, sort of the the expectations versus work ethic? Is it the selfishness where we're where we're not putting in the hard work and doing the. Um, you know, doing the the personal struggle so that the team can succeed. We just want it to be fun. When it's not fun, uh, we don't work. You know, it's hard to well, know behind it, the scenes. Let's put it this way. Let's but put it this way. It seems we, like it. Yeah, go ahead. When we saw um, Will Levis come in the game, we kind of saw a different team. I for, think by so. and large from that point forward. I mean, once once um, Will Levis came in the game, I I don't think. I don't think uh, Nebraska scored a touchdown. Yeah, that's I think, true. I think they scored two field goals since Will Levis came in the game. So you could see a shift in the energy on the sidelines and on the, and on each individual unit on the team. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I'm not saying it was like, hey, we're going to win out now. Here we got right. Will Le- But But it, that was the spark that, that, that needed to get Penn State out of the rut was like, hey, this player provides – a sense of, of, of hope for us here. He, in, 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 man, he looked night and day different than Clifford did. Yeah. And I guess, you know, looking ahead to Iowa, we'll figure out whether that spark can actually light a fire. Um, that remains to be seen. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll be looking at Iowa, uh, in a couple of days as a little, a little preview, probably dropping that on Thursday. But before we sign off, Tom, are, are there any concluding thoughts that you have, uh, looking back at, back at Nebraska, um, you know, in terms of where Penn State as a team is at this moment? I'm worried about, um, 
I'm worried about the defense. I'm worried about Brent Pry um, and his. Um, it's a very lackluster effort coming out of the uh, uh, coming out of the gate. If he has another lack, if we give up twenty to thirty points in the first half coming out of the gate, uh, a f- fifth week in a row, I, I it's man, I will that that's a crisis. That's a full. We taught you you were like. As soon as um, Clifford fumbled that ball away and they ran it in for a touchdown, you were like, this is a full-blown crisis with Clifford, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it was, yeah. and it yeah, was. absolutely. And if this defense, you know, puts this offense behind again, we're not, we, we, there's, like, I don't know what Brent Pry can do anymore at the, uh, you know, five games in, you know, we if we lost to Iowa with, with that kind of a start again. So what I'm saying is, you know, big picture, I really need to see and I'm, we're not even trying to get in Iowa necessarily, but like that's this is where my worries are. My big picture worries is is how the defense starts the game. And I really need to see uh, a, a a well thought out, defined game plan for for the the opponent. It's not like I don't feel I feel like our coaches are getting out coached because we're not coming up with game plans that they have seen deficiencies in the opponent that they think, hey, we can we can get up on these guys in this way or that way. It's super and super vanilla. Yeah, super we're being vanilla. exploited and totally. we're not exploiting the other team. I it's, so it's just like the yeah. coaches are just crossing their fingers that the 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 you know doing the getting the reps in and practice will somehow click on Saturday and that we'll yeah. get it going. Well, cuz we're dealing guess with what? we're dealing Put with them. fundamentals like can we just like block and tackle and we we're not even getting to strategy, I think. I, I mean, it's it, that's it's a coach's fault also sure, sure. I mean, i'm not saying so i'm not saying that's uh, wrong I'm, so I'm i need to see you. the coaches put the players in specific positions to be able to exploit the other team and and i need to see it from um now that we have will levis taking hopefully the first well we don't know yet but hopefully will levis is taking the first team snaps moving forward and hopefully brent pry can find a, find a, an edge against a, a you know a workmanlike iowa team uh, so yeah. all all of your thoughts were about Iowa, which was premature, bro. But Sorry, I'm gonna dude. I'm gonna well, look. <laughs> I'm gonna go just ahead. I'm gonna look back, and my my concluding thoughts are 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 around just the the bright lights. First of all, with um Cliff with Clifford kind of finally uh, having his turn, uh, and Will Levis coming in. Yeah. That to me, it was a spark. It, there were good things there, and the running backs getting going. To me, I think. Um, th- you know, that's the headline. Will Levis and the running backs got got things going, and then the other headline is the um, the defense failing to um, you know, failing to to stop them in the first half. So you know, there's a positive and there's a negative, and and um, the defense have ha- has had gr- pretty decent second halves. Yeah, after the game's been largely out of reach, but for you know, so like. You know what happens is, uh, you know their their offense gets ahead and they kind of let off the gas, and that's kind of what that's why our second half numbers look a little better, I think, than um, than what we as fans are, are seeing in the game. We're like, oh well, we won the second half, and it's like, well, after definitively losing the first half that put us so far behind that we couldn't yeah. really make up for for it. But, but um, like I like I said at the outset, this was the first game I've watched 
this year that it really felt like we had a shot, like a decent shot um, in the second half to come back and win a game that it just sure. felt like we were we were wishing and hoping uh, based on no evidence in other games. And this one, it was like, wow, I can see something happening here. So, um, yeah, I guess something to look wishing forward to. And hoping and wishing <laughs> and hoping. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> pulling, pulling it out, an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> um, so, Lord. so, but the, the question is, what will we see at Iowa? We're going to talk about that um, in a couple of days. We'll give you a, an, an Iowa look ahead. Uh, Penn State plays Iowa at home, three thirty on Big Ten Network this coming Saturday. Uh, Iowa's a two and two team that's on a two game winning streak. Uh, uh, old faithful Kirk Ferenz is still at the helm, and um, after a, a woeful start, he's he's got him starting to click. And um, yeah, we might be running into a buzzsaw if we don't get some of these things corrected. But we'll. Uh, I mean, they just made mincemeat out of Minnesota on Friday night. Mincemeat out of Minnesota. I like that alliteration. Minced a soda meat. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk Minced about all Minnesota that. Minnesota gopher meat. There we go. There. You, wow. Uh, <laughs> um. We'll talk about all that in a couple days. Uh, until then, bro, it starts with I love you. Ends with I love ends you. Ends with I love you. Thanks for another good episode. Thanks for uh, sticking with us, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you in a few days where we'll look at Iowa. Take care. <laughs> or don't. It's up to you. Or d- Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 